0: said it really beautifully at the very beginning, which is that you know people aren't going to lose their jobs to AI, they're going to be losing their jobs to people who are going to be amplified with AI. So there's, there's this, this question embedded in this of, you know, the AI is not going to produce art, the AI is going to make the artist produce 10 or 100 times more art.
1: Hi there, this is Ben and welcome to the Ben Morton Leadership Podcast. It's the weekly show that brings you inspiring interviews with senior leaders and genuine subject matter experts, all designed to help you be the very best leader that you can possibly be. It's my gift to you, and it's totally free. In today's episode, we are joined by Garrick Tate, who is an AI futurist, serial entrepreneur, and product development coach. Garrick's expertise lies at the intersection of AI, IQ, and EQ, enabling him to help his clients achieve increased impact, growth, and success. With a decade of experience in creating businesses, Garrick is a renowned entrepreneur, having founded several companies in the software development, outsourcing, and publishing industries. In this episode though, we delve into the current AI revolution. It's a timely and rapidly advancing phenomenon. Garrick shares invaluable insights on what leaders need to consider regarding AI's impact on individuals, teams, and entire organizations. We explore why Garrick believes that much of the fear surrounding AI is misplaced and how it can serve as an amplifier rather than a replacement for human work. Prepare to be fascinated as this episode ignites profound thoughts from Garrick, myself, and undoubtedly for you as well. So sit back, relax, and let's dive right in. Here's my interview with Garrick Tate. Garrick, a very warm welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us today. First of all, let me just ask, how are you? I'm doing great, Ben. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. Um, very much looking forward to this episode. I think it is super timely for everybody because there is just so much chatter in the world uh, related to what we're about to to discuss. It's something I've been playing around with for the past four weeks and getting very interested in and having my mind slightly blown by it. Yeah. But you've been deep into the world of artificial intelligence or or AI for for some time now, right?
0: Yeah, about 5 years. 5 years, cool. So you're a true expert then, I think. Definitely taking the world by storm right now, so it's it's, uh, it's
1: a it's a really good timing. So with that being the case, what do you think are some of the most important things that senior leaders need to be aware of, be thinking about right now in terms of AI and and why? Because I suspect there are still plenty of leaders out there who feel like they're a little bit behind the learning curve on this one.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, I think... I'm speaking to people out there that probably have tried out ChatGPT once or twice. Maybe even they use it quite a bit, and they've really started, you know, training their people into it. I'm pretty sure people are following the news of the AI wars between you know Google trying to release the next big thing and Microsoft strikes back, and you know it's 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 definitely a hot topic right now. It's not a fad. You know, it's 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 taking a lot of uh, industries by storm. I think that almost everything we do today is going to be impacted by it. Uh, in fact, I think. The first thing I would say that I think people need to realize is the scope of the impact and and the right way to think about it. You know, my my strategy. Uh, I, I love Ray Dalio. How he talks about looking backwards in time. I'm A big fan of looking at the past to to get metaphors for for the future. Um, I think the only real example we've had of of, of a technology like this is uh, electricity or the propagation of electricity throughout the civilization. You know, basically the power grid. And you know, if you look metaphorically at you know, the turn of the century, you know, the times of Thomas Edison and the invention of the light bulb, et cetera, you see that some of the biggest companies in the world were founded around that time around really you know, simple principles. You know, you would you would have a pickaxe and you would add electricity and now you have a jackhammer. You would you would have a screwdriver and then you would get an electric drill. You would have, you know, an ice box and you get a refrigerator. You could take literally anything out there and you would add Electricity, or really power to it. Power being defined by the ability to convert energy into work. And now we've we've hit a you know a a point with the internet where you know then you can add data to anything. But now we're hitting the next level with AI, which is now we can add intelligence to anything. So whatever you have in your refrigerator now it can you know intelligently predict you know what you're going to need to purchase you know you you have your pen it can tell what it's writing and then it can help record notes or or take action on notes you're adding intelligence to all these devices and i think that type of historic perspective can be really helpful when people are trying to figure out how does this impact me you know where do i fit in this what, what am i, I going to be doing with this and you know thinking of that that metaphor um i think provides some perspective
1: no i was going to say that that metaphor you you shared there about or the the comparison rather between ai and and electricity and particularly like if you had a pickaxe and you had power to it you you've got a jackhammer that's really interesting and powerful right because we're going to probably come on to this shortly and talk more about this but you're just seeing so much in the media Especially on places like LinkedIn at the minute, about how everything is going to be disrupted, how so many hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people are going to going to use use their job. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a quote I've seen a few times, which is along the lines of, "You won't lose your job to AI. You'll lose your job to someone using AI." Right? But but it's interesting because you people could have said and probably did say the same, but electricity we go they've invented the jackhammer thousands of laborers working on the railways or the roads are going to lose their job because now what one man can do the job of 10 people in a day using the jackhammer it's it's similar right it's but at the same time a lot a lot of new jobs were created as a result of electricity do you think the same is gonna gonna be true as a result of of ai there'll be a whole host of new jobs suddenly appear that at the minute we can't quite fathom what they are
0: one example i like to think of when i'm when i'm chewing on this is, is what happened to bank tellers when the electric ATM, uh, was, was, was invented. You know, we thought, you know, a lot of the banks and, and economists thought, well, you know, the ATMs do 80% of the work of, of the bank tellers. We're not going to need nearly the number of bank tellers, but that didn't happen when, when ATMs were popularized, we didn't have less bank tellers. We had more bank tellers because we just opened up more banks. Is it Hmm. as the pie got bigger as people had more free time to do the thing where they actually added value. They weren't just, you know, mindlessly performing some task. It turned out that the demand was there to capture it. You know, supply was the uh, was the underlying problem. And I think that old adage of, you know, human desires are infinite. It's that it, the resources are, are the issue. You know, it still holds true. I think there's there's plenty of work still to be done. We're not in utopia yet. You know, people's, there's still hunger, disease, you know, all those problems. And so there's still work to be done and, and the... The problem is a is a supply issue, not a demand issue. Demand will match. Now it gets complicated, and it changes from industry to industry. And this isn't about being a Pollyanna, but um, I think that it's 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 really powerful looking at historically what's occurred, where our blind spots have been, and then to uh, use that to inform projecting into the future. And uh, actually, that that leads me to the second point of of the advice I would have for leaders that you know what they need to be aware of is that if you're if you're looking into the future with with worry with pessimism with with fear you know you you can't be as creative or as effective you know the human mind is 31% more effective when it's in a good mood when it's looking at optimistically in the future and if you're scared the the yeah. blood flow goes away from your neocortex you can't make the kind of creative decisions you need to make and so i i think that your mindset going into this you know this brave new world is is one of the most important things to to get right I, I, would, I would just encourage a lot more people to be optimistic for for their own for their own family, their own business, their own their own movement uh, where possible uh, because that, that helps you find the opportunities.
1: So, so linked to that as well, and again, picking up on another of your uh, examples you used there about when ATMs were created, we didn't suddenly find that there were a load of bank clerks on the streets looking, looking for, for new jobs. When we spoke before, you said that in your view, you, you see that there appears to be a lot of fear around AI, but coming from the from the wrong place. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about what you, what you mean by that? Because I think certainly there is a degree of fear out there, right, amongst certain communities about, uh, well, linked to AI in all sorts of different contexts.
0: Yeah. So I'll give you one example of fear coming from, from the wrong place. So one of the blind spots that hit not just, you know, the regular people outside of tech, but also people inside of tech, you know, big blind spot was we thought that, that AI was gonna be liberating blue collar then low white collar then high white collar and then creatives okay and we thought that art you know if you remember five years ago you know the big thing was what, what's gonna, what are we gonna do you know, everyone's gonna stop being truck drivers are they all gonna become developers and, and artists you know like is everyone just gonna learn to paint and that's that do we really need that many painters uh, but not only were we a little bit wrong we were completely dead wrong uh, that it turned out that the hardest things to do to, to automate, were the blue-collar work. And the easiest things to amplify were the, the white-collar work. And that that has something to do with this concept of Moravec's paradox, which pretty much can be paraphrased, this idea that things that we think are easy are actually really hard. Like playing chess, be, you know, being being a, a supercomputer at chess is really easy, but picking up a knight and knowing that the knight piece is separate from a pawn piece, that's the hard part. Yeah, okay. Because, you know, the one... Evolutionary way of looking at it is that you know if uh, the oldest human skills, the most unconscious, the most you know obvious to us, are the things that evolution you know has has been working on for the longest period of time. So we we really underestimate those parts. And building technologies that can integrate with the real world that is a very hard nut to crack. And so I think a lot of people um, don't quite have perspective on what are the 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 real hard skills to amplify and which ones are easier so that's that's the first thing that i would say to grant some perspective
1: you used the word amplify there that that's interesting as well because that's the debate but we talk a lot and we hear a lot being spoken about replacement ai replacing things but it's interesting you use the word amplify can you tell us a little bit more about that garrick
0: yeah I, I think it's it, you said it really beautifully at the very beginning, which is that you know people aren't going to lose their jobs through AI. they're going to be losing their jobs, to people who are going to be amplified with AI. So there's, there's this, this question embedded in this of you know the AI is not going to produce art. The AI is going to make the artist produce 10 or hundred times more art. So the, the question is do you want you know, let's say the, the da Vinci of our time to produce 100 times more? But then is that going hmm. to crowd out everybody else? You know, basically, is it going to be like the bank tellers where we need a hundred times more art? Um, I think that that's debatable. I think that, that, that if we do want more art, the problem is on the demand side. And in fact, we, we do want that. But the nature of the problem is not replacement. It is amplification. And where does the supply and demand kind of overlap? And even on that level, that artist... Who's going to their their work is going to be disrupted because whether you're you know on the top one percent of artists the bottom you know twenty percent your your work's definitely going to be disrupted one way or the other that the nature of that disruption if I can just kind of connect a few more dots here this is kind of um, leads leads us in, into a, into a lot of different areas but to connect some dots here you know their work changes from just being able to make paint strokes to being a lot more about taste it becomes a lot more about how well can you articulate your vision of the thing you want to build and the AI is going to do the rest of it but how well can can you upgrade your awareness and your articulation of that awareness to then produce the art because uh, I'll tell you right now the the artists that are using AI to build amazing amazing you know uh art their their works are way better than the layman's because they know how to describe it they know what they're looking for And so uh, Mm. it's it's kind of distilling the most artistic step, which is a vision and the and and how you can describe it. It's getting distilled down to that skill rather than paint paint brushes or paint strokes or anything else.
1: Mm. That's really interesting. That's sparks uh, a, a thought in me almost a this might be a secondary benefit of of AI. Like I'm thinking here, particularly around those people who are playing around with with chat gpt right so just me over the last four weeks kind of experimenting with it the big thing i'm, I'm realizing as are most people i suspect or as are many people that the, the quality of what you get out from chat gpt is very much a result of how good a questions you you ask it right so i think this secondary benefit might be we start to learn to answer much much better questions right i mean that's something i kind of learned when i was training to be a coach i talked to kind of leaders about it all all the time if you want better solutions better answers like ask better better questions and i think chat gpt is forcing us to really dial up the clarity right like what what am i trying to achieve like what do i want what does good look like what's what does the ideal solution contain and the better we get at that yeah, we get better results out of ChatGPT or whatever other AI tool we're using, but it spills over into every aspect of work for us as leaders outside of using AI, right?
0: I think you've tuned tuned into something like incredibly important and and something that I think is really core. You come from a leadership background and coaching background, and and you beautifully said like. You know, we, we really have a lot of answers. The problem is the right questions, and, and this technology is really highlights that. Mm. And, um, you know, we're, we're at a crossroads. There's a lot of choices in front of us, but it would be really, I think, a beautiful thing if 10 years from now we can look backwards and say, you know, using this technology has made us clearer in our thinking, sharper in our thinking, and really highlighted the, the question-asking muscle.
1: And I know we're, we're, we're leaping around slightly today, Garrick, but there's so many... Questions and I think it, it probably naturally happens when you talk about kind of AI, right? Because there's there's so much to it. But rewinding ever so slightly, when we was talking about sort of this fear coming from potentially the the, the wrong place, are there any particular jobs, roles, sectors that uh, you think are particularly at genuine kind of risk? What's your view on that?
0: Yeah, you know, I I think that a lot of very smart people are predicting a a disruption in the call center, you know, customer support things like that. You know, I think I think that's a a skill that could be you know heavily. I think even in that level, actually, I would say replaced with AI. I think that um, there will still be humans on the other side of the line to have their questions worked up to them. So it's still going to ultimately be you know still a Let's call it a call center or a customer support, but they're gonna be able to support you know 20 times more people because most of the early questions have been filtered out and already pre-solved by by chatbots, et cetera. So it's still ultimately an amplification thing, but I don't suspect the demand there is going to uh, keep up with the supply. So I think I think truthfully there, that a lot of people there should uh, be taking their skills and and seeing how they can they can leverage learning the next thing. Uh, I think that the artistry is really interesting. It's probably very case by case, depending on where you're at in your career. Like if you're just an early on artist, you know, whether in in drawings or music or what have you, I think that it's it will probably be quite important to be learning how to use these tools and maximize them in your uh, pipeline. And I think the yeah, the creatives and the white collar work are, are the people that need to be thinking about this the hardest. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd never. I must admit
1: I'd never even considered the art actually as an area for disruption like potentially music I thought about that you can see how that worked but like art in terms of drawing and I guess graphic design like I hadn't really um, linked AI to, to that side of things it's it's fascinating as you start to go down the, the rabbit warren of
0: AI right what you start to learn and, and uncover Oh Ben, if this wasn't a visual, uh, if this wasn't an auditory podcast, I would I would be sharing my screen and walking through a whole bunch of stuff. So there's um, you know, ChatGPT is one big part of the story, but another big innovation has been uh, the concept of using transformers with something called diffusion, uh, where images can be automatically generated. and And we definitely recommend checking out tools like MidJourney and Dolly to to see some examples of that. But there's um there's been big big strides in that visual side as well.
1: So the other question that, that occurs to me, we again, going back a few minutes, we spoke about amplification and sort of bringing it back to, to business more centrally for a second. To a degree, every business is different, right? And kind of there's any number of different sectors in in, in the world. What do you think are some of the most common AI applications that, businesses might might benefit from that probably span all of those sectors and different types of businesses. Are so there certain tasks or, or roles where you think it's gonna have a really dramatic effect on how businesses do what they do and their ability to, to do more, do it quickly, to amplify the, the, the value of what they do?
0: I think fundamentally when it comes to, if you want to build a product that really leverages AI, or do something that kind of advances AI's accessibility and, and its its usage by by a, a large audience. I think there's three things you should be thinking of and I have done podcasts where this is literally all we've we've talked about, so um, can 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 look look that into that, but to give you kind of a, a rapid summary here on the Ben Morton podcast is uh, number one right now the the AIs like ChatGPT and the other products, they are generic in their in their knowledge. They they've been trained on pretty much like 10% Of of the internet, so they've mastered almost every field under the sun. But if you wanted to get some a create an AI that had more specific domain knowledge about a particular area, like let's say medicine or law, I think is going to be a very big one. Though the 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 legal industry definitely. (laughs) be very slow to change it's very uh, it has a defense mechanism to to disruption it is fairly straightforward to take these technologies and fine tune them or else to create a knowledge base using a tool called vector databases uh, if you're if you know any of your listeners are interested i would check out pinecone uh, they release a lot of good videos kind of explaining how to leverage their their technology but you can with a mixture of fine tuning and vector databases pretty straightforwardly create a your own let's think of it like your own AI model that's far more specialized and will give far more consistently high quality results to a certain field of inquiry
1: hey quick one for you i want to make sure that you know about my 10 for 10 leadership program it's an online program that's totally free It's bite-sized and it covers some of the most common leadership topics and challenges that I frequently get asked about. It's also a course that gets consistently great feedback. You can find out more by heading to the online courses page of my website at ben-morton.com.
0: Right. And so that, that field of inquiry could be about a particular business or a particular like product or it could be more generically about like a whole industry like like legal or etc so that's number one you know training a general thing and, and specializing it number two is combining the strengths of different ais this is something that the bigger companies are already looking into they're you know w- one of the actually let me let me take a step back here and talk about how these ais work from the, from the beginning especially these generative ais the way they operate is that they're only picking the next word In the sentence based on the previous words in the sentence. So they recognize patterns of, you know, in the in the sentence of I walked my, typically the word dog comes after that. And it turns out if you read 10% of the internet, you're actually pretty good at that. But it does mean there's certain drawbacks. So for instance, if if you're saying what's two plus two, it will know the answer is four, because that's the pattern, but if you give it a novel problem, and actually I would encourage your listeners to do this: go into ChatGPT right now and and type in a, a ludicrous uh, number like you know one million five hundred and you know forty three billion times, and then another ridiculous number. It will output a number that looks believable when you read it. In fact, the first few digits and the last few digits will maybe even be correct, but it will confidently give you the wrong answer because there's no. There's not been a pattern of people asking that unique of a question. So it doesn't – it's generating it bottom-up. It's generating it bottom-up from pattern recognition, not from a top-down way of having an internal model of reality and then playing that forward. Humans do both. We are both top-down thinkers, system two, and we're bottom-up thinkers, system one. And so you can get, I think, extraordinary results by – taking those strengths and weaknesses of an AI and combining it with other systems, combining AIs uh, together. So one example is combining the Wolfram AI, which was uh, founded by a guy, I believe his name, I believe his name is Stephen Wolfram, which is an, an AI that's more of a calculator, and then combining that result with ChatGPT to do some really, really interesting stuff. So combining AIs for their strengths and weaknesses, I think is a second way of, uh, of producing a, a probably a, a billion-dollar company. And the third, I would say, is you know, when you are prompting the AI, it takes a lot of work to ask the right question. I think there are going to be some tools out there that are going to make that a little bit easier, like potentially reading your entire email history and then kind of helping you auto-create the prompt of what to do next, uh, like reminders and things like that. So I think that a third category of, of products is going to be things that make question asking significantly easier. Wow. Cool. Very interesting. So I guess it, you're starting to talk about AI, like
1: stacking there. Is that right? Where we just layer kind of one AI tool on top of the other to get better and better and more and more sophisticated kind of results and outputs, right?
0: Which is, I think there's a lot of metaphors there of how the human brain works. You know, when when you look at the way the brain works is we have a congress of different motivations and, and uh, desires and perspectives that hopefully get to the best answer most often by debating things so creating different ais that have different strengths and weaknesses and kind of letting them compete i think that is is going to be a really important next step in generating let's call it a uh, better intelligences yeah
1: that's interesting why right? that is to a large degree how that how the human brain works right in two areas we stack new knowledge on top of existing knowledge and, and make sense of it and work out how what we're learning now connects with what we already know and to your point around kind of chat gpt is scanning 10 percent of the of the internet and working out patterns yep
0: it's
1: what the human brain does right we learn patterns so we can shortcut decision making like when something happens we go okay I've been in a similar situation before. Therefore, I think this is, this is the answer, what I need to do in terms of thinking or what I need to do in terms of my physical response and behavior. It, I guess that's why it's called artificial intelligence, right? Because it's the same as
0: human intelligence in, in many ways. It's the same, same logic. It's my philosophy that reality is infinitely complex and and that's what we've you know that's like Gödel's incompleteness theorem that like maybe maybe it doesn't actually have an ending the level of complexity, so the the human brain has been however you know, however it was generated um, has been built to do a pretty good job of it and I think that we we give ourselves a lot of crap for like being quote unquote irrational but I think that if you look at the alternatives we're we're doing quite well and so I think uh, the the artificial intelligence kind of is it modeled after us or is it just kind of running into the same problems with similar solutions? Well, it's, it's honestly a little bit of A and B because it's made by humans that, you know, had what they had. But I think it's a really interesting subject conversation.
1: Yeah. So let's come back to the, the second part we're going to talk about. For more established businesses that are looking to, to, to grow, kind of what are some of the main applications there, do you think, in terms of AI?
0: Yeah, I think that if if you can wrap your head around the fact that this stuff is generative, which means pattern recognizing, which means it's purely about what data has access to, and and you can kind of think about that just on, on what's on the internet. And then you can think about the fact that there's these great tools called auto GPT out there, where it's like AI that prompts itself. And you know, this is May 19th that we're recording this, but as of right now, I think they're they're quite overhyped. I haven't seen a single person that's actually used it and said, wow, I've gotten a good result from trying to use it in the real world. You know, we're, we're still in a position where these AIs prompting themselves is not the case. It's it's not replacing humans. It is amplifying. And if you can put your, kind of your head around that pattern recognition and the fact it's amplifying humans, and then, you know, look to the future with a little bit of excitement I think that you can you can take a look at what you're already doing and probably find a lot of areas where there are inefficiencies or behaviors or operations that can be heavily amplified and if if you're not sure where to look create a bounty you know talk with your team about how this is not about replacing people but it's really about about growing and becoming a cutting-edge company and, and knowing that Every time there's a, a massive disruption, there's a resource reallocation, a reallocation of wealth. And this is an opportunity for, for you and your team. You, know, you can't be Luddites. You can't go backwards. It's only going forwards to, to look at the future excitedly and put out a bounty. Give, give out like a $100 bonus to anybody who, who can give a, a good use case of how they saved you know, an hour or so of time per week so they could focus more of their efforts on the things that are really human or that are really unique to their strengths. That's generally the advice I give to, to most companies that are starting their hero's journey, let's say. That's nice, actually, and that gives me a nice link
1: with something else that I've been exploring for a while and I've had a few uh, episodes of the show where we've we've spoken about this, which is this whole concept of um, a, a four-day week or indeed like anything other than a typical... Five day week, which doesn't really have much robust logic or research or or science behind why we work the 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 way that we do, but from a neuroscience perspective, there are huge benefits from having a little bit more more downtime because it enables us to activate part of the brain we call the, the default mode network, where which is where a lot of unconscious problem solving happens and a lot of creativity creativity comes from. So actually. AI, being able to amplify what we do, be able to take out a lot of low-level administrative work, actually that enables that, which means then the humans in in our businesses can work four and a half days, much more focused or four days if you go to a full four-day week, but in in, in a refreshed, energized, focused way where we're unlocking more of our own brain potential because a lot of the administrative stuff is being being done elsewhere which allows us to take that that time off right to and and to enjoy life more not only about delivering better results but we can enjoy time doing the things we want to do in life other than just just working so that's quite a powerful pairing when you start to think about what it can unlock there for us
0: yeah i think i think we're very early days and and like i said before we're at a big crossroads in front of us but i think it would be it's it's not outside the realm of of uh, a possibility you know 10 years from now we look backwards and and we're we're in a much better place you know we're you know, four-day four, four day work weeks or, or anything else, just much healthier place, I hope. Yeah, that's
1: that's very cool. I, that's a real light bulb moment for me, actually, there, about what this could potentially un- unlock. And I think probably the more you think about it and reflect on it, have these conversations, I just think we'll start to spot, especially for leaders and leadership teams and organizations, you'll just start to spot a lot of real benefits from this that can outweigh some of the
0: the fears that some people might have. Yeah, you know what, this is actually sparking, you know, hearing you go into this, it's, it's reminding me a lot of the book Lynchpin by Seth Godin, which I think, I think I should go back and read that book. I read that book a, a, a while back ago, but I think it's more relevant now than ever because the core philosophy of the book is that if you can do anything that you can write, uh, let's call it an SOP or an operating manual on, if you can describe anything that you do into that, then you are inherently a commodity. And if you're a commodity, then you're replaceable. And if you're replaceable, well, then you know we, we kind of know what that means. And you know you're you're in a position where you don't have the best negotiating power. And that was where it was kind of written from. And its hypothesis was that the only two things that you can do that don't cannot be you know written down are number one emotional work. That means you know connecting with humans, you know connecting with yourself. And the second was creating the map, you know, being the one to write, you know, the the game plan, creating the map, and uh, that that book. I think Seth Godin wrote that book to be gifted. It was a book written for bosses to buy, to to buy for their entire team and distribu- distribute it for your entire team. So, uh, just connecting some dots here. I would, I would if you guys. Ha- listening to this have not read that book or, or remembered it uh, might be worth checking out and then gifted to your whole team as it's, it's made to be one of those cultural uh, touchstones and um, I think more relevant now than ever.
1: Yeah. Very cool. Garrick, let me ask you one final main question. And this is one that I find myself like pondering again and again and again, whenever I think about AI or see something about it online somewhere. So, As more people start to use AI to generate more content, it seems that the internet will become more flooded with more content that is generated by AI. Therefore, does there come a point where the AI tools reference material is AI-generated content and therefore, does there come a point at some stage in the future where we lose track of, in, in, in air commerce um, reality? Like, is, is that a thing? Is that is that a, a danger?
0: Yeah, so you're, you're referring to something that I, I lovingly call the Ouroboros, uh, you know, the, the old snake that eats its tail. Right. Well, first, let me let me say maybe a couple of words about why it's a little bit scary. And then say why I'm not worried about it at all. Okay, nice. The core problem I think that poses is that when AI feeds on top of itself, it has a tendency to go insane, and there's there's, there's kind of a reason for that. You know, it, it comes back to this idea in my mind at least that the that the universe is, is infinitely complex, and so to process it, you know, we humans kind of rely. You know, sanity is largely outsourced. You you work with other humans. You, you, you see how they respond to you, and then you adjust your behavior to like, stay, stay on point. And I, I would argue that with AI, it's, it's quite similar, that if it only is responding to itself, it's going to start acting – it's going to start becoming more and more erratic as essentially it starts entering more and more unexplored territory. So it's going to start going down certain rabbit holes just by the nature of like, of entropy. You know, like it, you know, it it could go anywhere. It starts from ground zero, and as it starts generating more data, if it's just feeding off of itself, it's going to eventually go down the deep end, some rabbit hole somewhere. Yeah. And then as it starts going deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole, it's going to start burrowing outside of of the realm of of human intelligibility. So in one example of this that you know really hit the news, like. I forget how many years ago, but you know, Facebook had created two chat bots to negotiate something, and they ended up making their own language. And I'm I'm at the limits of, you know, this, this is an area a lot smarter people than I have commented on, but I I would perceive that that's a lot more about them going insane rather than truly creating a, a robot language i think it's a lot more just that they're becoming less and less intelligible
1: because i think that case is becoming a bit of an urban myth actually i've heard various variations of that story about which company it was and two different companies and the cables being pulled out of the servers because they were talking in some made-up language and they were scared I, yeah i think i think it's yeah. a little
0: bit of a game of telephone it was uh, i believe it was facebook that had created it and it was um I believe they were simulating a negotiation, and they ended up um, becoming less and less intelligible. Got you. So, so there is a worry that if it's only feeding on itself without us to ground it, and you know, we humans need other humans. There's no such thing as a sane hermit. Without that that social interaction to, to ground it, it, it can it can become less intelligible. The reason why I am not worried about that is essentially because it's a known problem. So. The the things you know it's it's not a black swan. It's one we're very very aware of. And I say I say we you know the, the engineers working on these programs. We are incredibly smart at dealing with I'll call it white swans with with known problems. Um, so to in, in this case just to throw a little more meat on the bone of what a solution might look like rather than just kind of leave it out and say like oh yeah like we'll solve it somehow. Um, I think that some of the tools in our tool belt are we're. Pro- <laughs> We hear a lot today about a post-truth world. It, it makes sense that how the technology is heading in that direction, but you know, we humans, I mean, we're going to get a lot of snapback. I think we're going to end up something like a, like a Rorschach test of greater and greater binaries, less and less gray area, where um, the human need for truth is quite strong. So I, I suspect the way we're going to be solving this is a lot more something like a reputation system where you – if your website is is you know the new york times you can't fake that you're not the new york times cryptographically and so then the algorithms that crawl the internet and and rank this stuff and consume this stuff are going to start relying a lot more on the trust of individual actors and individual content producers got you yeah um i think also that we were talking before about like narrowing some ai so that they become more consistently high quality like you know legal bot or med bot and i think those are going to start really taking the forefront on some of the most um, on a lot of different different domains and will probably end up higher quality content than, than we might otherwise have have predicted fascinating
1: garrick i could sit here for another 45 minutes continuing to to explore this with you it's been like really really interesting but that said let me bring things to a close for for this episode with a couple of my regular quick fire questions now the first one of those you've, you've mentioned quite a few already actually but what would you say is the one book that has really had the greatest impact upon you
0: I, I think if you're if you're worried about ai i would definitely recommend Lynchpin just just from this conversation the book that's made the biggest impact on me in life though I'll give you three rapid fire. Uh, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. I love that book. That's like a user manual for the human mind. If you're interested in neuroscience and high performance, I would recommend Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. That's an incredible book and, and is, you know, is really a master class on, on, on neuroscience for uh, con- you know, controlling your own brain. And the third, I would say, is Obstacle is the Way. Go very, very old school stoic philosophy. Yeah, I love Obstacle Is the Way. I read it multiple times. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah, great book. And Garrick, final quick fire question: um, What would you say is the one item, other than your mobile phone, that you would immediately go out and replace if it were to be lost, stolen, or broken?
0: I think I'd, I'll, I'll give a couple, couple uh, boring answers. You know, laptop, super important, and uh, a journal. Uh, I think a pen and paper. Is is something that is is invaluable for for thinking thoughts thoughts through. Yeah, that's a common one amongst so many guests. Uh, like a nice
1: pad and a pen, a journal, and a decent quality quality pen. Yeah, brilliant, Garrick. Thank you so much for your for your time today. It's been a fascinating conversation. As I said at the beginning, so timely, and I think there were so many pearls of wisdom that you've you've shared. And what you've shared as well has certainly sparked so many ideas and thoughts and things for me to go and explore. And no doubt it will be the same for everybody, everybody who's listening. So thank you so much for sharing your, your knowledge, expertise, and wisdom on this topic. Really appreciate it. Been a pleasure. Thank you, Ben. So just before you go, let me say thank you for joining us on this Thought Provoking episode. I really hope it resonated with you and has created some valuable insights. I genuinely value your feedback. So please do connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts. I'm on there as Ben Morton Leadership. You can also find a link to a feedback and contact form in the show notes for your convenience. But before you go, I have an exciting opportunity for you. In the show notes, you'll find a link to a competition that you can enter for a chance to win a full set of books from the authors that I've interviewed in this season of the show. So do take a moment to enter right now and expand your knowledge even further. All that it leaves me to say is thank you for your support. And together, let's continue to make the world a better place through great leadership. Until next time, look after yourself, look after those you've got the privilege and responsibility to lead. And as always, folks, lead on.